TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Well, when you hear the snare drum, yes, you know you have found another edition of the Score North Gophers show. And thank you so much for doing so. The Golden Gophers coming off of a 28-21 victory over South Dakota State last Thursday night. We won't spend a ton of time on that. I will mention as we get going, James Murphy, Daniel House, they had all the immediate reaction to the Golden Gopher victory over South Dakota State last Thursday. So wherever you're finding the Gopher show right now, it's available wherever you find your podcasts, either in this feed or simply just by searching the Score North Gophers show. Again, 28 to 21, the Golden Gophers defeated South Dakota State last Thursday night to get to 1-0 on the season. This upcoming Saturday night, they will travel to Fresno, California to take on the Fresno State Bulldogs. The last time the Golden Gophers and Bulldogs met, it was quite an exciting finish. Hogan wants to throw! That audio highlight, courtesy of Fox Sports 1, the Golden Gophers held off Fresno State last year by a final score of 21-14, to those two teams again this Saturday night, this time not at TCF Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, but the Gophers hit the road. They traveled to Fresno to take on Fresno State in a rematch, but the team's obviously a little bit different this time around. Joining me right now is Paul Leffler. He is the voice of the Fresno State Bulldogs, at P356 Leffler on Twitter. I should mention, of course, like most hosts do, I am Ross Brendel, at Brendel Ross on Twitter. And, Paul, thank you so much for joining me to preview the Big Tilt this Saturday night. Thanks for making time. How are you doing today? Hey, great. You know, we're warming up the weather for all the Gophers. It's going to be, you know, in the mid-90s on Saturday. I guess by game time it might cool down into the high 80s. And uh, I'm just thinking a, a 9.30 central time kick is going to feel awfully uh, unwieldy for the Gopher fans. But everyone here is excited about the matchup. Yeah, let's start with that because, uh, Paul, all off season, I've circled this as the non-conference game that I, I think this is a very difficult game for the Gophers. And, it, and if you're me, I think I'm a little bit on the edge of my seat because it, it's got all the it's got everything you would need for a perfect recipe in my opinion, for a loss. It's your first road game of the year. Team hasn't been tested. They struggled a little bit with South Dakota State. Say what you want about South Dakota State. I believe that's a team that can win the FCS championship. But it's a game I think the Gophers probably would have liked to have won more handily. I think Fresno State, although they would have liked to have had the win, I thought they showed fairly well against USC. Also, you mentioned the heat factor. Little bit interesting environment for the Gophers to be walking into. Any idea what type of environment they will see on Saturday night and maybe even the expected attendance for the first home game of the year for Fresno State? Well, you know, people here have been clamoring for the sellout. It's it's been a few years since Fresno State has sold out a game. Of course, you know, in twenty sixteen the Bulldogs were one and eleven, but then Jeff Tedford showed up and he's turned that program around. He's the only coach ever to inherit a one win program and put up double-digit wins in each of the next two seasons. So, I mean, if he hasn't proven it by now, what's it going to take, you wonder? It only holds 40,700. So, 
I think there are enough people around here with a population in the metro of over a million to, to pump that stadium full. Will it be a sellout? I'm not sure, but I think there'll be at least 35, 36, 37,000 fans, and they'll be loud. At Bulldog Stadium is tight quarters. The fans are right on top of you. They let you hear it. Uh, between that and the heat and maybe even a little heavy air, it's been a little more humid than usual here the last week or two. I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty threatening environment for the Gophers. And it's a Fresno State team that, yeah, feels like it has something to prove after last week against USC and a game that ended almost, I mean, really eerily similarly to what happened at TCF Bank Stadium with a, an interception in the end zone that prevented Fresno State from forcing overtime. Let's talk about a, a little bit about last year only in this sense. It's the same two teams by name, Minnesota and Fresno State, but the makeup of the game is a little bit different. For the Gophers, Zach Anikstead started that game. He will not be playing in this one. He's injured. Tanner Morgan, obviously the starter. A lot different for Fresno State as well. The two names that I look at that you're very familiar with, Marcus McMarion, Keyshawn Johnson, they're not a part of this game. So I don't like using the word revenge game, but is that on the mind for returning Fresno State players? Because I would think with how good the season was for Fresno State last year, they had to have felt like they let one slip away. They had a chance to tie that game, maybe even perhaps win it, if not for that Antoine Winfield interception that we played out of the gate, the highlight of. Is this a little bit of a revenge game, or does it really not matter at all what happened last year, or is it on their minds? I think it's on their minds as much as they allow it to be on their minds. Uh, Jeff Tedford is really big on focus on what can actually make a difference. Don't get distracted. But for those players, they knew they could have won that game. The offense played kind of tentative all day. They may have been reeling from losing their best offensive lineman, you know, in the first half of that game to a season-ending injury. Tade Muti is one of the best linemen in the country. I mean, he, he burst onto the scene as a freshman, dominating against Alabama, and I really do mean dominating. And that was his second game of his sophomore year, and he goes out with an Achilles in the first half and misses the rest of the year. So he is definitely motivated to play in this game against the Gophers, and he's at full strength and looked great against USC. And there are plenty of other guys on both sides of the ball who had a piece of that. And the quarterback now, Jorge Reyna, was the backup to McMarion last year. He's now renting a room from McMarion, so they're roommates. They talk all the time. And he told me today at practice that you know he wants to win this one from Marcus and with everything that happened last year. And, of course, if you remember, it wasn't even the quarterback who threw that interception. It was a guy who's now a senior running back, Josh Hokett. And I'm sure he wants another crack at the Gophers. So, there, yeah, there are plenty of Bulldogs who are excited for a chance at a little payback. I think this is just an intriguing weekend of college football. There's a lot of marquee games, and I don't know if anybody's you know foolish enough to say that this is one of the marquee games in the country that everybody's going to be watching. But I certainly think if you're in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you're a fan of football. If you're in Fresno, California, maybe you are just an average fan of both programs. I think you are going to make time to watch this because this isn't your traditional you know, big team plays and also ran to start the year. This is pretty marquee matchup between a couple of big, you know, bigger programs. And I think that that says a lot, I think, for both programs to schedule these games. And really for Fresno out of the gate to get USC and Minnesota, the advantage there to me is, is not necessarily maybe even in the game that you're currently playing, but what it does for conference play. And I think that helped out Fresno State last year just based off of what they were able to do post coming on the road and playing Minnesota well. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that, and particularly the opportunity, 
you know, for a mid-major school, as they call it at Fresno State, a, a group of five school to host a power five or autonomous five school, it doesn't happen every day. It's very difficult because there's so little to gain for the bigger school. And for Fresno State to have that opportunity, you don't want to squander it. I mean, there's a few other teams from that conference who have been here. Wisconsin's been here. Nebraska's been here. Illinois, Rutgers have been here. Uh, but it doesn't happen every year. And especially because of what happened last year, knowing you may never get a chance like this against the Gophers, uh, for the fans, this is a really, really big opportunity. And for the players, every week is. But, you know, the hallmark of Jeff Tedford's team has really been preparation, execution, not looking past what's in front of you, taking care of those little details and getting it done. And, you know, 21 of the last 26 times they've lined up, they've gotten that done. And he hasn't lost back-to-back games since, you know, the very start of his coaching career here. So I think they're pretty squared in. They're pretty zeroed in. They're ready for Saturday night. Again, Paul Leffler joins us at P356 on Twitter, p 356 Leffler, L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R. He is the voice of the Bulldogs, kind enough to join us on the Gopher Show. I'd like to spend a little bit of time on Mr. Tedford. What's it like being around him basically day in and day out? It it really is. uh, Can you think of many better people to be leading the Fresno State program? His resume is quite impressive, obviously familiar with the area with all the years he spent at Cal. I just think uh, that is a tremendous get for that program to have that gentleman at the helm. And, and I think it says a lot about how Fresno State and how the program is viewed that somebody like Jeff Tedford would take that job. Yeah, and I, I think absent his roots in the program and the fact that he played here and wanted to come back here, you know, was an assistant coach here for Jim Sweeney and Pat Hill, I don't think it would have happened. But he loves this area, he loves the people. He knows the potential. He's seen Fresno State have tremendous success in the past. He's been a part of that success. And uh, the point he was at in his career, I think it was the perfect timing and the perfect fit. And he's very content here. He loves it here. He wants to finish his career here. And I think, you know, you can make the case that he's a better coach today than he was when he was at Cal beating number one USC. He would be the first to tell you that, that there are things he understands now he didn't understand then his perspective, his maturity, his balance. He's a guy who's intentional about everything he does. I mean, if you look at his day, he can tell you down to the second what he's going to be doing and why. And if there's no purpose to the activity, it doesn't happen. So he sets that standard. His assistant coaches are really an extension of his philosophy. They follow that standard. And then naturally the players are upholding that standard as well. And that's really his philosophy. It's not about give a big fiery speech and get guys up, up, up for a big game. It's every single game is the same. This is the standard we set for ourselves. It doesn't change based on who we're playing against. And that's really easy to say, but it's very difficult to do. And I think that's what's been most impressive, that the result, the, the success has been there backing up that mentality. Paul, the Gophers started off the season 3-0 and in non-conference play. They definitely hit a slump in the middle of the year, so much as so they had to fire their defensive coordinator, Rob Smith, after the team went on the road and just absolutely got routed and, and literally almost gave up the most yards per rush in NCAA history. That's an impressive stat if you think about it. What helped them out in that game was a couple of kneel downs and one stop late in the game helped them from not setting that dubious record for most yards per play. 
But they then finished the year strong. They got a win over perhaps their biggest rival, depending on who you talk to, won the Axe for the first time in almost a decade and a half, and then beat Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech in his swan song. And I think it left a lot of people with fairly high expectations for this year. My expectations were the team won 7-6 and six last year, if you count the bowl victory. I'm hopeful to continue to see progress somewhere in that 7-5, and 8-4 and four range. Coming into this year, just so Gopher fans know, what, what's kind of the expectation of the fan base? I know that's a little bit different from maybe the team's expectation, but just from what you can gauge, how do most fans view this year and what, what are the expectations for the Fresno State program? Well, you know, Fresno State was picked again to win the West Division of the Mountain West and, and make it to the conference championship, and that's certainly what the fans' expectations are. That said, when you replace so much, I mean, they lost all three linebackers from last year's team. Uh, they lost a, a safety and a corner. They had two guys leave early for the draft. They lost their starting quarterback, all their receivers, three starting linemen. Um, they've had injuries to three running backs already and two receivers. I mean, so they've really taken some hits, but the expectations are still high. And I think what gives me confidence that is doable is uh, the, the quality of this coaching staff seeing the way they go about their business. And that's what has made the difference the last couple of years. For the fans here, I think they always have high expectations. My broadcast partner on all the games is Pat Hill, who was the head coach here for 15 years, did an unbelievable job with very few resources at the time, putting Fresno State on the map. He said he'd play anyone, anywhere, anytime, and he did, and he beat a bunch of them. And it really changed the national profile of Fresno State. But he was a victim of his own success. The expectations became so great uh, that when there was a down year, people couldn't stomach it. And eventually he was ushered out. And it's so great to have him back with the program now. But I think Jeff Tedford eventually will find himself in a similar position, that the expectations don't change, and he may have to get creative to continue to meet those expectations. But thus far, he's been able to recruit incredibly well pulling in great talent from this local area. California is as rich as they come as far as uh, recruiting ground to mine. He's done a phenomenal job with that. He's had local kids who are at Power 5 schools transfer back home in bunches. Uh, he's got a quarterback coming in next year that's been offered by Alabama, actually offered verbally by Nick Saban himself, and said, no, I want to play for Jeff Tedford at Fresno State. So he's doing all the things that could sustain that success long term. But the expectations, make no mistake, are as high as they are anywhere in the country. Jorge Reyna, you mentioned him at quarterback. He also led the team in rushing last week against USC, again, in a game where I thought Fresno State played tough, but in the end took the loss. Is that something Gopher fans can expect? Is Jorge Reyna going to be the leading rusher in most games, or is that was that just an anomaly and Ronnie Rivers will have more yards at the end of the game on Saturday night? I would say, Ross, that if Jorge Reyna is the leading rusher in most games, he won't finish the season. <laughs> they need him to stay healthy. They don't want him carrying the ball 20 times a game, but that was a byproduct of what USC was doing defensively. The Trojans really struggled against the read option, and Jorge made some good decisions and executed well. Ronnie Rivers you know, is a guy who went for 212 yards in a bowl win over Arizona State. His dad was the all-time leading rusher here for many years until that was broken. He was born to do this, born to be the lead back in this offense. And I think that's what we'll see Saturday night. I think that's what we'll see for most of the season. But Reyna's stat line from Saturday night makes teams like Minnesota pay attention and say, hey, 
we've got to be careful. He's not one-dimensional. You don't know what he's going to do. And you really don't. I mean, that was his first Division One start. I don't think anyone knew what to expect. And I'm really eager to see his second start because so often there's a great improvement from one to two. And I know how focused he is. I know how motivated uh, he's, he's a sponge with Coach Tedford and with his roommate, as I mentioned, last year's starter, Marcus McMarion. And, you know, he's very driven to get that first win in what will be his first home start on a, a brand-new surface. They installed new turf in the off season, put up some new lights just for the Gophers as well. I've been running into folks around here. You know, this part of California is uh, a migration capital. People come from all over the U.S. to live here. And I've got plenty of friends who are from Minnesota. And I know they're all excited. The Gophers are coming to the Valley. They've got to be there. So this is going to be a pretty exciting atmosphere on Saturday night. How about this? I'm going to spin this to you both ways. Fresno State beats Minnesota if what? If the Bulldogs take care of the football, which they did not do against USC, they turned it over three times. And even though they took it away four times, those three turnovers were costly. One was in the red zone, a pick from the 10-yard line. Uh, well, the pick in the end zone at the end of the game, but earlier, uh, fumble at the 10-yard line. So you, you've got to take better care of the football. And I think, you know, as much as Minnesota wants to run the ball and impose a physical will at the line, when Morgan is back to pass, the dogs are going to have to put some pressure on them. And pass rush is something they haven't proven they can do yet outside of blitz packages. So in my mind, it's take care of the football and put a little heat on the quarterback, and that'll go a long way toward getting that first win of the year. It's funny you should bring that up because, to me, the first game of the year against South Dakota State, I don't know how much of a chance you've had to watch it. I'm assuming maybe you've watched it a bit, or maybe that's something that you don't do a ton of at all. But one of the big issues to me was just how little the Gophers were able to protect Tanner Morgan against, uh, again, I'm not trying to undersell South Dakota State, but in my opinion, that should have been a game where the Gophers should have had no problem on the offensive line protecting their quarterback and also on the defensive line getting to the quarterback. They didn't do either of those things. In fact, their first sack of the game was the last play offensively for South Dakota State. So I'm intrigued to see how the Gophers handle that here in week two. What I also love about week two, you alluded to this a little bit, Paul, is the first week there's really no tape on anybody. Well, now Fresno State, the Bulldogs, they're able to pull some tape on what the Gophers did against South Dakota State. And on the other side, Minnesota has a little bit of tape to go off of what Fresno was doing against USC. So to me, that even adds a little intrigue in week two, just that we know a little bit more about what teams are doing and I laughed the Gophers ran a two-point conversion which was basically it was basically a play everybody knows by now it was their version of Philly Philly if I could be in that huddle I'm assuming the play would be something like mini mini but I I imagine Paul I don't think the Gophers wanted to pull out that two-point conversion trick play against South Dakota State but you do what you have to do to win a game. I'm most intrigued just to see the changes from both teams on Saturday night, just how different they look. And for me, for Minnesota, they have to protect the quarterback. So very interesting that you would say that. Uh, Paul, my guess would be then you would say that Minnesota wins if Fresno State turns the ball over, correct? I'm, I'm assuming you're just going to flip that answer. Well, I think there's a little more to it. I think one reason Minnesota won the game last year was that eventually the Gophers decided they would run it straight at the Bulldog defense, chew up clock, chew up yards. They did it in a wildcat package, 
but that's what won in the ball game. They out-physicaled Fresno State at the line in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think that that may be a similar pathway for the Gophers this time if they're able to do it. And when you look at the right side of that line with, you know, 750 pounds combined between right guard and right tackle, which could be part of the issue with the pass protection, but in run blocking, I mean, that should just road grade people. And if they're able to, you know, impose that will on Fresno State's defense, control the clock, limit possessions, in my mind, that would be P.J. Flex roadmap to victory. And, and I think it's going to be a very different flavor of game than the Bulldogs played at USC. USC's running a, an air raid offense, a high possession game. I mean, the team's had it 13, 14 times apiece. In this game, that number is going to be reduced greatly because both teams want to chew up clock, want to establish tempo, want to play a little keep away and keep their defenses fresh. So which team does a better job at that? And can Minnesota build on what gave the Gophers a win last year and run the ball effectively against Fresno State. I'd say that would be a plot line to watch early in the game and to see how that one unfolds. I'm going to make a random segue on you, Paul, because what I've talked about before numerous times just amongst friends, and I think I've talked about it on the air in the past, is I'm convinced if the University of Hawaii put any money into their football program, they could win national championships because what college-age kid wouldn't want to play football in Hawaii. But I understand the facilities there are just fairly decrepit, and it's not the world's greatest place to play college football. What's You get out there every other year, I believe. What's it like calling a game out there, and just is there any type of atmosphere at the games when you're at the University of Hawaii? You know, it's a, it's a really neat atmosphere. It's a little different every time based on how good uh, – the University of Hawaii is playing that year. In the June Jones years, it was pretty electric. And Nick Rolovich, the June Jones disciple, is bringing some of that back now. And I'm real eager to get there this November and to see how many more fans are there. But it's a bit of a crapshoot. You never know when it's going to pour rain and you'll just have a downpour in the middle of the game. And some of the fans are used to that. Uh, that stadium is older, but it's noisy. And they know how to bang on that aluminum and make a lot of noise. So even if they don't have a ton of fans, they can make it a hostile environment. And there's passion on those islands. I mean, Hawaii football is the major league franchise for that state. And anywhere you go, people will talk about the Bows. Uh, they can tell you great games in the past. But one of my favorite stories, I like to hike when we go on the road. Last year in Minnesota, we saw some beautiful country. It was great weather when we were there. And on the island of Oahu, I've done a lot of different hikes. There's some beautiful ones there. And one of them right by the Hawaii campus is called Manoa Falls. So we go one time to, to park the car there, and of course, you know, an entrepreneur is taking your $5 so you can park on his gravel lot and hike to the waterfall, and he says, hello, my name is Fresno, that'll be $5. I say, what did you say your name was? He said, Fresno. Now, we weren't wearing any Fresno State clothing, so this wasn't some magic trick. He had been named Fresno because of the Hawaii-Fresno State rivalry, and I'm sure there are people out there that, that the rivalry is just as intense with some other schools, but... Every time you go there, you see the mutual respect. You see the passion that those people have for the game. It's a unique culture that is so rich, and there's so much depth to it. And uh, I think you're right. I think if they make a bigger investment, and they're talking now about building a new stadium, I think that could be a sleeping giant. And Nick Rolovich, the coach there now, may be the guy to really build it up. Do you have a favorite venue that you've been to outside of the one you get to call games at most of the year? Boy, that's a tough question. There are so many. Um, you know, we were in Alabama a couple of years ago, and the care that that university puts in 
to that facility. I mean, I think we got yelled at for walking on the grass because it looked like the carpet in somebody's mansion. Uh, that was impressive. I really enjoyed, I, I shouldn't say this on Minnesota radio, I really enjoyed Wisconsin when they get to the end of the third quarter and they do the jump around. And for me, being a California boy, uh, it reminded me of the 1989 World Series earthquake. I mean, that's what it felt like with Camp Randall shaking. That's a cool environment. Uh, you know, I, I see the value in everywhere that we get to go. Even if it's not the nicest facility, there's always something to that culture. And one of the things I've done for a long time, I've got a, a syndicated radio show where I interview World War II vets. So every road trip, I find a World War II vet in that area that I go visit and talk to. So I, I like finding those things that, that maybe aren't on the surface, that you're not going to find something in the sand. But there's something in that community, in that culture, in that landscape that's of value. And I think if you're looking for that, you're always going to find it. Paul, I'm also going to mention one thing. We didn't talk about this, so I apologize if I'm blindsiding you on this. I read a great story, and I, I'm really going to be disappointed in myself if I have this wrong. But did you donate a kidney to a good friend? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, that would be awkward if that was Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm reading it. I read it last night. I read through it. I'm looking at it again. And since you talked about the World War II vets, which I think is awesome, if you ever have the chance to sit down i'm telling this to all the listeners with any of them and just interview them it's awesome so that's awesome that you do that paul but also boy really good on you and just awesome so if you wouldn't mind can you briefly in closing just tell that story how that how that came to be and just i don't want to say that it's 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 an easy thing to do because it's not but i think people would be surprised that a, a lot of people have the capabilities to do that yeah, I think a lot of people are unaware that you can live just as well and just as long with one kidney. And, you know, I, I believe that. That's what they say. That's what the statistics show. But basically, my life was touched by kidney donation as a very young man. My father was on dialysis for three and a half years, then received a kidney from a deceased donor that gave him eight extra years. And, you know, there's a waiting list, and every state is a little different. In California, if you're on the waiting list for a kidney, from a deceased donor, in other words, someone dies in a wreck or whatever, they're an organ donor, it's a match for your body, you get the call, you go get it, that average wait time is eight years. And 80% of the people waiting on that list die before they ever get a kidney. So living kidney donation, if, if you or I say, hey, I've got two of them, I only need one, I'm giving it to you, that shortcuts that process. There's no waiting, and you can save a life. And um, you know, for me, it was very easy. I was back playing basketball within a month. I had no pain. And for the gentleman I was blessed to share a kidney with, he's doing fantastic. He's about six feet, seven inches tall and was walking with a cane. Now he's walking without a cane. He's taking vacations. He's playing with his grandkids. And, you know, I, I feel like I've received much more blessing than I ever could have given by sharing that. It was a tribute to my father. I, I know what it means. And I just encourage anybody to sign up, first of all, you know, when you, you go to get your driver's license, check that box. Be an organ donor. You never know how many lives you can save, and you never know what's going to happen. And if, you know, you're so moved to be a living kidney donor, I'm here to say you, you can have just the same life with one kidney as you had with two. So uh, thanks for bringing it up. and. Uh, and spread that news for me, if you don't mind. Paul, that is really great stuff. Again, our guest today, my guest on the Gopher Show, was Paul Leffler at P356, Leffler, L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R, on Twitter. 
He is the voice of the Bulldogs. He'll be on the call on Saturday night for the Fresno State side of things. Paul, I hope you have a ton of fun on Saturday. And uh, win or lose, I, I'm grateful for you making time for us here on the Gopher Show. Uh, great stuff. Have a ton of fun and enjoy the season. And who knows, maybe down the road, if fate should have it, we'll meet again uh, in a bowl game later this season or maybe down the line, and we'd love to have you back on. Really awesome stuff. Thanks for giving us a little bit of preview on Saturday night, but just diving into your brain on thoughts on college football and who knew even kidney donation. So thanks a ton. <laughs> Anytime. I'll look forward to meeting some Gopher fans this Saturday night. Thanks a lot. Again, Paul Leffler at P356 Leffler on Twitter, the voice of the Bulldogs making time to join us on this edition of the Gopher Show. Again, cheap plug for my guys, James Murphy and Daniel House. If you're listening to this and you miss their thoughts on the South Dakota State-Minnesota game, you can certainly check that out in this podcast feed or wherever you find your Gopher Show podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Ross Brendel. Again, Paul Leffler, the voice of the Bulldogs, joining us on this edition. James Murphy, Daniel House, they'll recap this sometime on Sunday. I don't know if it'll be 2 a.m. Minnesota time, but they'll get you covered with their thoughts on Minnesota and Fresno State. Thanks for listening to the Gopher Show. I'm back sometime midweek next week.